You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Sadine is not English for punch me or headlock me in a scrum. I kind of live by saying if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. You side bloody negative about everything. You know, we know that they're going to be coming all over us everywhere on the ice. It's Krush. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Johnstone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's Barbecues. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at johnstones.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. It's Friday. We got a show. We got guests. That guest list begins at 6.30. You heard him in the intro. Brian Burke is going to join us, former general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, now the executive director of the Professional Women's Hockey League's Players Association. Berkey is going to join us at 6.30. Uh, these are busy days for the PWHL. I'm going to have to get that acronym right because it's a new one for me. I almost called it the PHWL. Okay. That you're, would be you're wrong. You're not great with those. Yeah, not we'll, talk, with those. we'll talk to Berkey about uh, women's hockey, um, what it needs to be successful, all the things on his plate right now, and I'm sure we'll find some time to ask him about his time with the Vancouver Canucks. I was thinking, you know what, maybe a good question to ask Berkey would be about the captaincy because I think Burke was there when they went from Messier as captain to Nazi as captain. I believe you are correct. So maybe something he remembers about that and the importance of it for a hockey team. Brian Burke at 6.30 is going to join us on the program. 7 o'clock, Dara O'Brien is going to be joining us on the program. He is a very funny man, uh, Irish comedian. He is in... Canada starting September 5th. He's going to go across the country touring before ending up in Vancouver for Just for Laughs on September 16th and 17th. He's starting his tour in Newfoundland, Jason. Oh, well, that's pretty much Ireland of Canada anyway, <laughs> so he'll, he'll feel real comfortable there. Yeah, he loves sports too. Like his favorite team is Arsenal. He used to play hurling. Oh, right. As a lad back in Ireland. So we can, we can talk to him about like that. Like after the I, bars? Is you go hurling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Competitively. Not, that, that's more a Hamilton thing. Yes. Uh, so we, we can talk to him about that. Uh, I think I, I hope it's going to be a fun interview with Dar. I hope he's really serious the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Makes no jokes whatsoever. 7.30. What do you do for a living? I am a comedian. Oh. I always feel bad for funny people that come in with a reputation of being funny. I always feel like we set up Sean Gentili. For failure, whenever we bring him on the show, we're like, Sean Gentili's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And he's like, good morning, Mike and Jason. Do you know how many times I've heard in a bit from a comedian uh, or just a story from a comedian how nightmarish it is when they have to do the morning radio show? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. Tell us a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tom Segura was saying that uh, he, he did this radio thing once where... 
Um, the guy was like, okay, we're going to come back from break, and then you just do your thing. He's like, what, <laughs> and, does, that, what does that mean? And he's like, yeah, what, what does that mean? He's like, you know, just do your thing. And, he, and, and he was, go. And he was like, I'm not doing that. Be funny. Push the button, <laughs> the be funny button. So uh, 7 o'clock, Dara O'Brien's going to join us on the program. Uh, 7.30, Moj is going to be joining us on the show. Uh, the BC Lions are in action on Saturday in Montreal. The question for Moj even though the Lions are a 7-4 football team and are second in their division, is Saturday a must-win game for the BC Lions? Oh, am I working with David Pratt this morning? Yes. Why would it be a, <laughs> a must-win just to maintain a chance of first place? Uh, also, to keep their season from careening off a cliff following maybe their worst performance of the year last Saturday, which I got to be in attendance for, I might add. We all did. You really took that loss to Hamilton hard because you had to experience it. I didn't like being there. <laughs> I, oh. didn't, I didn't like it. It wasn't good. They didn't play well at all. It uh, was really, really, really flat. I hope you liked being there with our, with our sweet uh, winner. The best thing about that game was Jeff from Burnaby and his <laughs> shirt. I learned stuff because he wore a shirt. So we'll talk to Moj about that. Uh, 8 o'clock. Here's one for you. Rick Dollywall making his triumphant, I don't know, seventh return to Sportsnet 650. <laughs> anyway, Rick's back. Rick is back, He's baby. The Billy Martin of Sportsnet 650. Can we fire him? Yep, but we can bring him right back. He'll come back. Anyway, Rick's going to join us at 8 o'clock. They always come back. They always come crawling back. Uh, Rick's going to join us at 8 o'clock, not just this week, but every Friday moving forward. Yesterday's big announcement. Well, Maybe not the next two Fridays, but then starting after that. I thought this was the whole point of bringing him on this Friday, was that he was going to be joining us this oh, Friday we'll, we'll and every, every subsequent no, Friday. No, the whole point of bringing him on this Friday is that A-Dog couldn't find a guest. Right. Oh, was that it? How would Dollywell? We can uh, have him That's literally now. what it was. Uh, but no, like starting the week of training camp, though, as you saw at the announcement yesterday, Donnie and Dolly will be partnering with Sports in the 650. Mm-hmm. Like Donnie and Dolly themselves together will be crossing over with Ranser and Dodd, which is going to be... Well, that'll be something else. Do you Don't. think? Do you think uh, that will just be um, Drance and Dolly yelling? Yes. And, and the listeners are kind of like, I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> It'll be great. And just, just Dodd and Donnie just having a nice little conversation over in the corner. I assume. Yeah, I'm yeah, looking like, forward to it. So he's like, "How are things? Yeah. <laughs> still working with? Yeah, yeah. No, I got one of those too. <laughs> still coaching lacrosse. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so eight o'clock. Rick Dollywell, I'm working in reverse here. 7.30, it's the Moj. 7 o'clock, Dara O'Brien is going to join us. 6.30, Brian Burke. I should mention, uh, okay, so from the FIBA World Cup, pretty interesting result this morning from Canada's group. Latvia beat Spain, which is a fairly significant upset in the grand scheme of things. Now, in, I don't even want to go down because Canada doesn't play Latvia, even though they're in the same yeah. group in this round. Uh, but anyway. Group L, right? Group L, yeah. Uh, the important thing to note is that basically uh, you, Canada wants Spain and Brazil to lose as many games as possible. And I guess for Latvia as well, although they got the head-to-head against Latvia. If Canada wins today against Brazil, it's going to be real difficult for them not to get into the quarterfinals. As a matter of fact, I think they might actually clinch. But, I but again, they I can't I, tell I, with the rules. I thought they could have qualified today if Spain won. See, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. No, I, because the reason why... Is because Spain would be four and zero, Canada would be four and zero, yeah, and then Latvia would be two and two, two and two, right, two and two, and then and Brazil would be two and two, but Brazil hasn't played yet. Well, they Canada would play Canada, Canada my friend. 
You can't do this. You can't speculate too far ahead. With, yes, you could. Because you also get is... a point for a loss in FIBA. We have to keep that in mind as well. What? I think they were. I think they were. You do. I yeah, we mentioned this already. Yeah, and if you tie, you have to find the wizard's key <laughs> to get to the quarterfinals. All I'm saying is I heard that Canada would have qualified for the well, I'm quarters. glad you heard that. Well, how do you get your information? The same way you do, apparently. I just listen around and yeah. <laughs> talk to different FIBA Well, it people. makes sense, too. It makes sense. They'd Eavesdrop be on conversation. Spain would be 4-0. Canada would be 4-0. Right. Brazil would be 2-2. Two and two. Latvia would be 2-2. Two and two. So And then Canada and Spain would be playing be for first to, and second in the group. They'd be through to the quarterfinals, both of those teams. So if Canada beats Brazil today and now doesn't matter because Spain lost instead of beating Latvia. No, it does matter because there's the, the Canada for the, does for the scenario that you're talking about though. They can't right. clinch today. Okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There we go. Yes. Okay. Perfect. This this tournament is tearing us apart. <laughs> it's convoluted nature. This honestly this is the most confusing tournament I've ever covered. I don't care for it actually. I'm starting to get turned off the tournament. I hope there is a surprise element of this tournament. Like someone wins and you're like, "Ah, no, you think you've won." But let us unveil our secret bracket, and it's like a time traveling team of the Americans that you have to you have to play. The tournament is like the end of every episode of Scooby Doo. They just unmask. <laughs> As they're handing yeah. over the trophy, yeah. <laughs> tra- trap door opens up. Surprise! You're in another tournament now. Okay, <laughs> um, soccer. Anyway, yeah, you play a different sport. Um, okay, so that's the show. Canada and Brazil tip off at six thirty. Hey, there's a Rash Madani. He was on our show this week. Uh, it's also Ask Us Anything Friday. Here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So get them in. The premise is very, very obvious. It's called Ask Us Anything. What you do is ask us anything. We try our best to answer it. It doesn't have to be about sports. It can be about anything. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Text them in. We will read them throughout the show. That is what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... So if you listen to the intro of this show, or if you were privy to our overnight notes, you would put it together that not a lot happened in the world of sports last night. It was very quiet. The Blue Jays did not play. The Mariners did not play. Canada basketball did not play. As a matter of fact, it was a day off, essentially, at the FIBA World Cup. So there was not a ton to talk about. However... A lot of people spent the day discussing this upcoming swing for the Jays and just how vitally important it is going to be for their season. The calendar is now flipped to September. We've talked about it at length. The Blue Jays have nine games coming up in which they'll be favored, I think, in all nine. They're against three of the worst teams in baseball. And I think it's fair to suggest that they need to go, at a minimum, 7-2 and two over the next nine games if they're going to make the playoffs. I actually think they need to go 8-1 and one or 9-0. and oh. uh, Here now, Sportsnet's very own Dan Shulman, the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, talking about how these games aren't just important, they're basically playoff games for Toronto. I think it's almost playoff baseball. I, I mean, this is the position they're in, being two and a half out of a playoff spot. So, um, if it was a month earlier, I would say no, and and... But, uh, but I, I think so. I, I think you got to win the game in front of you right now. And, and part of the reason you have so much depth in your bullpen is that so if Romano can't pitch, you can use Hicks. If Swanson can't pitch once he's back, you can use Green. If Mesa can't pitch, you can use Cabrera. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, 
full steam ahead every game. They, they've got to make up ground right now over these next nine games. What, you know, whatever the magic number is, six and three, seven and two, eight and one, whatever it is, I, I don't know, but they've got to play really, really well and put themselves in a decent uh, situation by the time Texas comes to town. So that's the big kicker at the end of this, right, is that after the nine games, it's, boom, Texas, and that's the team that they're chasing now in the wild card. They're two and a half games back of Texas. For the third spot in the wild card, Hyunjun Ryu is going to take the bump against the Rockies tonight. I did not. Re- I knew the Rockies were bad. I did not realize that the Rockies are this bad. They mm-hmm. are on pace for a team that's had a lot of losing seasons, their first ever 100-loss season, which is nice for the people of Denver. So the Jays now, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm on it. Honestly, I think it's you have to go eight and one or God. I mean, it's it's tough to say you have to win every single game because that's baseball. Yeah, but it's so I got predictable. I mean, they could they you know knowing this Jays team and how weird this Jays team and Laddie and I are after our Oppenheimer date. We're I wanted to ask about, you about that. Uh, we were talking about a lot of um, questions. Talking about the Jays. And I was just, ranting a lot. Yeah, he he was he was ranting. So one of the things was. Um, what was the one thing that, that you, like, you couldn't believe statistically about the Jays? Because I was saying, like, how we, we started out saying, like, how this team has actually had some, like, like, they're having a remarkable pitching season this year, and that could theoretically be wasted. And a couple of years ago, they didn't make the playoffs with that crazy run differential when the offense was so good. So they're going to have potentially one year where they don't make the playoffs – when they should have based on their run differential and their offense. And then this year with the pitching that they were getting and they're not going to make the playoffs. Like it's a very frustrating team to be a fan of. Uh, I'm not as hardcore a fan as I used to be. And certainly not as much as Laddie is right now, but if they go through this next stretch and they play like 500 baseball, it's going to be infuriating for the fans. Now, is it over then? Hmm pretty close but knowing this team how unpredictable this team watch them like catch fire against the teams that they've struggled against all year in the al east right this is an unpredictable baseball team um since what happened is kind of light for content and it is ask us anything friday i will now ask you both for a thorough and detailed review of oppenheimer you guys went to see it together you did not invite me uh, I was I'm I'm a big Oppie guy. I would have loved to have seen Oppenheimer. There's no way you would have gone with us. No chance. We've asked you out for things before, and you've always said you got a thing, and you don't even say what it is. So plus, you kind of a jerk. I, Laddie, and I, Laddie and I went out to uh, Riverport in Richmond, and we watched it on the big. Um, I, I call it the IMAX screen. Okay, is it uh, not an IMAX screen? It's an IMAX. The Ian McIntyre screen. The IMAX screen. They, the IMAX they named screen. it um, And it was, it was very good. It was very loud. Christopher Nolan, I don't know if he – does he have a hearing problem or something? Because, like, his – every one of his movies – and I noticed this in uh, – what was that movie? Tenant? Was that loud? Tenant? Not Tenant. Tenant. <laughs> Tenant's a different one. It's about uh, the rental market. It was super loud. And, like, these very aggressive sounds on your ears. I actually almost – I actually did once plug my ears. It was that loud. And Laddie and I were joking after that we should have brought those, um, you know, those things that babies wear at hockey games? Yeah, those, the, like, the loud cup. They, they look like headphones, but they're not. They're yeah, prote- they're like protective headphones. Like the people on the runway that they work on the planes. They yeah, all the wear construction them. worker. Yeah, like yeah, earmuffs, yeah. you mean? Like, earmuffs. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't think the construction worker guys called them like, <laughs> hey, Frank, 
Yo, pass me my earmuffs. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, g- give me my earmuffs. They're probably just like, what? Do you, what are ear guards? They are right. called earmuffs. Hearing protection. Hearing protection. Hearing protection. Safe, Regardless, safety earmuffs. It, it no, was... no, no, not my not my fashion earmuffs. My safety earmuffs. <laughs> so it was um, it was very good. And one thing that Laddie and I were laughing about afterwards was that. They did not even attempt to explain any of the physics involved in it. Ah, that's a good call. Because they were like, these people are too dumb. Well, putting the marbles in the glass jar was a pretty good analogy of like what that's they were not trying ex- to. That is not explaining the that's physics. That's like kindergarten of it. level. That yeah, is not. The marble goes in the jar. Well, that's what you got to do, though, right? And so the audience is like, oh, okay. They didn't do All, the. But uh, that was just. That was. They had to enrich the plutonium. Yeah. Or the, yeah they didn't that, go into the details, you're saying. No, they didn't go to the into the details well, yeah, of how the big explosion comes. They they didn't even well, like people would just check out if they did that. Well, yeah, th- th- that's the whole joke I was making. Like they didn't even try to attempt it. Yeah, because it was too complicated. So, why I'm bringing this up? Our Irish guest, Dara O'Brien, studied theoretical physics at university, which is what Oppenheimer did. He was a theoretical physicist. He didn't. He just came up with these theories. He was like, in bed. And be what like, a great job! He'd be like, what about this? <laughs> Theoretically, this could and happen. The, and then there's idea. so the other the other uh, block of it is uh, uh, experimental physics. And those guys are like, uh, how about we test that theory? <laughs> is that, so I'm assuming like the the noise and how loud it was had to do with you know the bombs exploding, right? Part of it, but it was part of like Christopher Nolan, like in a really dramatic moment, he'll just like play this really loud music that sounds it's, it's it's not like a symphony it's just like a scary sound wow. yeah it's like a scary sound yeah <laughs> that's um, how i would describe it yeah um, but i will say though you saying it's too loud is funny because nolan's movies are famous for the dialogue being way too quiet like in a lot of his movies like i think of like bane in the dark night and like ten it's a good example where you cannot hear what these people are saying like in the background like you gotta turn the volume up just for the talking parts and then turn it back down when it gets yeah, loud yeah, yeah. again so it's really oddly balanced but i didn't find this movie did it I love this text. Christopher Nolan loves the dramatic, full, loud, weird noise. Blah. There it is. <laughs> With the yeah. dramatic, wide shots. And apparently in the trades, they just call them muffs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not Christopher Nolan movies. He's talking about earmuffs. Earmuffs. <laughs> yeah. Pass me the muffs. Uh, you jump too quickly from one yeah. subject to another. I thought there. that would be like too like lame sounding for the construction yeah. guys. Pass me the muffs. Get your own muffs. <laughs> now that I hear it. No, you know what? Now that I hear it, it These works, muffs. actually. Uh, one final thing I got to ask about Oppenheimer. So you said that they didn't um, g- go deep into the explanations of uh, physics at all. They just kind of glossed Not over really, it. No, so, because yeah. uh, in the big short, remember they did the op. They had to find exactly a way. Exactly explain- what I was thinking about. Okay, it, right? they. It's like how do we make synthetic CDOs appealing? To yeah, the viewer, yeah. and then they're like, "We'll have Selena Gomez explain it to you." Right? Wasn't she in the bathtub too, or something like that? No, that was Margot Robbie, I think. Oh, okay. I, yeah, think, yeah. I think Selena Gomez was at a blackjack. I, I was like, "This is the greatest lesson I've ever <laughs> heard." For Oppenheimer, I really <laughs> they're enjoyed making economics uh, sexy. I enjoyed the Sean Avery cameo personally. Yeah, he was in that, that, right? He had like three lines. Really? Yeah, it's super weird. Oh, I thought he just showed no, up. Every Christopher Nolan movie, he's in, and he has a line. I don't know why. <laughs> At any rate, uh, it was good, but the book was better. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I told everyone this, but uh, I read the Oppenheimer book that that movie Didn't even know there was, one. was inspired by. Uh, we talked about it, didn't we? Oh, was that a Jamie Dodd thing? Probably. That was yeah. a Jamie Dodd thing. Sounds oh, yeah. like something you'd talk about with your best friend, Jamie yeah, Dodd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I read, it was a big book. 
It was like 800 pages. <laughs> so it just well, my see Jamie was able to uh, get the conclusion quickly, and that is I am smarter than anyone that didn't read the book and just like went to the movie and was like, oh, I like moving pictures. <laughs> And, and loud noises. Oh, yeah. And I had to catch our intro as well. So thanks to the listener that heard our intro in Oppenheimer. I heard it as well. And I don't think I would have caught it if I didn't. Uh, wasn't told ahead of time. Yeah, but I didn't catch there. it still. I didn't to, catch to the it. To don't spoil the movie, please text. You got one month. That's the statute of limitations. If you haven't seen the movie within a month of it coming out, wow. it'll get spoiled. And it's also those, like, those are the rules. Don't spoil the movie. You know what spoiled the movie? Those are the rules. <laughs> don't we know how this ends? You got one month. Reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> It's like spoiling Last Passion of the Christ. Like, I know how that one ends. I'm pretty sure everyone does. Do you know what happens to Oppenheimer in the end? Uh, No. See? There you go. Yeah, I think think it was just the Passion of the Christ, not the Last Passion. Really? Well, technically it was. No, there's a second (laughs) one coming out. There's a second one. Last Passion 2, Electric Boogaloo. Okay. Um, Speaking of your best friend, Jamie Dodd. He's going to have a new guest on his program this week, or this uh, season. As a matter of fact, he's going to have two of them. Our big news from Sportsnet 650, we touched on it in the intro. I'll circle back on it now. Other big news from yesterday is that this Canucks season, Rick Dollywall and Don Taylor, affectionately known as Donnie and Dolly on Czech TV, are going to be joining us regularly here across the Sportsnet 650 weekly programming slate. On Mondays, Donnie is going to join Sat and Dan on Canucks Central. On Wednesdays, both Donnie and Dolly are going to join Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance on Canucks Talk for a new segment called The Crossover. Can't imagine the hours of research that went into that name. Friday, Rick Dollywall is going to join us on a weekly basis for all the latest Canucks news and rumors. So three times a week, they will be airing on our station Very excited to have them back. Very excited to have Rick back and getting him as a regular guest on our show. And he will be joining us today at 8 a.m. And hopefully he's got some news and nuggets. Um, Yes. I'm excited for this, too. I think it's it's great that uh, Rick is back in the fold. Um, He is not only a guy who's plugged in um, with agents. Also, he has sources within the Canucks, I know. And he's just, he's, he's kind of a fun guy, right? He's Rick. We all know that at any moment, he could mispronounce a name. Mm-hmm. And it, like, that makes it exciting. You're on the edge of your seat the entire time. Can you imagine what it must be like to, for Rick to live through that? Difficult, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, like he's on the radio, and at any moment, he knows that he's not just like might make a massive gaffe, probably will. Yeah. But odds are stacked in the favor of the gaff. Yeah. That it's going to happen. Um, I would also like to add that we will try and implement some sort of like let's catch Rick with a funny text type thing. If you want to have a clever name that he might not be able to pick up on or a complex name that he will butcher in trying to pronounce. Feel free to send him in. 650-650. It's the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we got a bunch of texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Ask us anything. Did Bruff sit by himself in the movie to avoid Laddie talking to him during it? Did he ask for subtitles to be turned on? Number one, I don't like the subtitles when the language is my own. I don't understand why people do that when they watch Netflix and have the subtitles on. It's annoying. Uh, And I actually did leave a buffer seat between Laddie and I. That was because of the smell. 
more than anything else. Really, a buffer seat. Wow. I left a buffer uh-huh. seat between. There was it's no one idea. in the theater. Yeah, there's it's like a good idea. There's, there was like 15 people in the theater. I wasn't going to be like, oh, just I'm just going to sit right here with you, pal. <laughs> He's got his arm. So I left him. a buffer seat, and then halfway through the movie, when Laddie was still chomping on his popcorn. Only guy I know that eats it one popcorn at a time. One, oh, one kernel one at a time. It was, it was <laughs> like serial killer behavior, but There's another one for Greggy. <laughs> and here's another one for Greggy. Jason was sitting there just clapping the whole time. It was so <laughs> weird. He had his hands together and he was just doing little mini claps when uh, good moments happen. Brian Burke is going to join us next. We'll talk about the, the new women's league. Uh, why this league will hopefully be successful. Won't have the politics and drama of the previous leagues. Uh, uh, we'll maybe get Berkey to tell us an old story about his time in Vancouver. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Missing the Canucks? Subscribe to the Canucks Central Podcast and get alerts for breaking news episodes. Daily shows return in September. on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Brian Burke is going to join us in just a moment here. Canada and Brazil have officially tipped off from the FIBA World Cup. So things are happening. Hour one is brought to you by Johnstone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's Barbecues. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at johnstones.com. To the phone lines we go. He is the former general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. He is now the executive director of the Professional Women's Hockey League Players Union. Brian Burke joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Brian. How are you? Good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. So, new gig, executive director of the PWHLPA. What is going to be, or what already is, your biggest priority in this new job leading the Players Union? Well, the biggest problem, I'd say, is really the the speed with which we're having to do everything. Like, they announced or launched our free agency period today. Uh, things are coming together very rapidly. They've been working on this for a long time, but my involvement's only been a week. So uh, catching up and getting up to speed is probably the number one priority. Yeah, I've noticed that things are happening at sort of a breakneck speed here. You mentioned free agency today. Um, with regards to how much work is ahead, have you got a firm grasp or a firm scope on just how much work is ahead for the league moving forward? Um. Oh yeah, yeah, guys. I got a real firm grasp on everything. <laughs> no, no, I, I really am on a treadmill right now. But that's sort of every job I've ever taken. It's been a frantic period to start. Um, I'm really, I feel very grateful to have the job, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, but it is truly jump right in the water. It's no toe in the water on this one. This is jump in and start doing stuff. So, which I love. So. Anyway, yeah, catching up and getting getting up to speed is the hardest thing. How does the ownership? How does the league work? It's all owned by one entity, right? Like, there's not franchises yet. Is is? is am I correct on that? Correct. Okay. Um, so, um, how does that how does that differ from league in the NHL when it comes to your job? In that you're kind of like negotiating with one group. Well, I'm not sure how it differs. Um, first off, the single entity model is not new. 
they've done this in pro sports in a number of leagues with single entity ownership. So the, the Walter, Mr. and Mrs. Walter that own this team, own these six teams, uh, even if they expand, they'll probably keep it in the same model, I would guess. Um, how it differs, it gives you certain advantages in terms of collective bargaining, labor law, antitrust law. gives you certain advantages that uh, don't operate if you've got individually owned teams. So why is this league going to work? Why do you have confidence, or do you have confidence, that this league is going to work? Well, first off, I'd be a pretty poor executive director if I told you, <laughs> if I, told you I didn't. <laughs> That'd be a good start. Um, no, I think there's a couple of reasons. The reason pro hockey with the women has not done well, but the differences in this one would be, in my mind, number one is it's united. There's always been multiple leagues trying to survive. And that's not a good model anywhere. So we're united. We've got one league and uh, all the best players in the world. Maybe a few Europeans might join us, but all the best players in the world will be playing here right away. So number one, you got a huge advantage over all the other competitors that came before us. Number two, you've got a unified uh, ownership model, which I just mentioned. And these people are deep pocketed people that really love hockey. They've been involved in women's hockey for several years before this. Um, and that, that's, that's exciting by itself. But number two, three, and four, or sorry, three, four, and five would be it's properly funded, it's properly staffed, and the facilities are properly sufficient. So they're dealing like – I remember when I was a season ticket holder when I worked in Calgary. Season ticket holder at the Calgary Inferno. I went to a game once. And they were dressing in the corridor outside the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were maybe 100 people there, maybe 200. And uh, no facilities, no practice time, no permanent room. All these things have been addressed. So there's trainers, there's medical people, there's there's a housing allowance. And uh, it's properly funded. The last thing would be the players are uh, it's a living wage. These are players who won't need to be a barista at Starbucks to get by. They'll make enough money between the, the salaries and the various uh, benefits and allowances that they don't have to work a second job. Um, are the owners in this, if, if you had to pick one, this is Total Sports Radio, pick one or the other. Are they in this for more for their passion for their game or are they in it to make money? Well, I, I think initially it's certainly passion because no one's going to make any money in a hurry as far as I can see. Now, a lot will depend on how the markets responded how well we do as, as a, as a new league, you know, like selling tickets and sponsorships and all that. The NHL is going to play a prominent role that remains to be seen how prominent, but uh, I think they're in it for initially because they love hockey and love women's hockey specifically, but yeah, long-term, I think they want to break even and make some money. I think everyone does. Mm-hmm. What is the you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what is currently the relationship between uh, the PWHL and the NHL? Uh, well, the NHL has been very supportive of women's hockey, but they were unwilling and unable to get involved really substantially as long as there were more than one league. Like, how do you back one league up right. over the other and get an antitrust suit? Mm-hmm. So they stayed on the sidelines correctly, in my mind but to the detriment of the, the funding of the sport. And uh, they've come forward with a whole bunch of ideas where they can help us tremendously grow this game and grow the women's, the pro women's games. So, uh, I think they've been a big help 
already based on the drawing board plans I've seen, and we count on them to continue to be. But we've got to do this. You guys know this. You're shaking your heads. You see this in other sports. We've got to do this on our own two feet. Mm-hmm. What would the NHL's interest be in helping the league? Well, for example, uh, they started doing this. Remember when Kendra Coyne Schofield had her magical fastest skater yes. approach in the skills? Uh, the league has, since that time, has put uh, women into the, the uh, skills competition every year. That's not a small thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, there's talk of adding an outdoor game. So if they're going to do a Heritage Classic or a Winter Classic, uh, let's say it's Boston and uh, Toronto, uh, why wouldn't the women play before? So there's lots they can piggyback out of things we do. They're talking about playing neutral site games. So they could, you know, in markets where we don't have uh, women's teams for this year, let's say a market like Pittsburgh or a market like uh, Columbus, why couldn't they play a game there with two of our existing teams? So mm-hmm. they're talking about lots of things. Uh, the league is very creative and very supportive, and I'm convinced we can come up with a whole bunch of stuff that works. Brian, why have you been such an advocate for women's hockey over the years? Well, I, I love it. I mean, I love the game. It's, uh, I, think it, I think the women are tremendous athletes. I said this before, that if the women had developed as quickly, if, if you compare how quickly the women have developed, so if you look at a 25-year period, from Nagano to now, say, roughly 25 years. Mm-hmm. And look how much the men have developed in that time. The women have gone past them and then some. They developed at a much quicker rate because they finally got some coaching and some facilities and some fair ice time, and they've come on much quicker, I think, than any, almost any other sport. So to me, I fell in love with it really in Nagano. I'd seen women's hockey before that, but Nagano was my first chance to watch it. And I've watched it ever since. I've got players that I've developed great relationships with and friendships with. So to me, it really is truly, uh, oh, this is a labor of love. I, I love the game. and I think it's really underserved to this point. And the, the future is so bright for women's hockey. Is the typical t- ticket buyer um, a woman? A, 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 like, are there women, little girls at these games? Is that is that who you're targeting? Or, because you don't want to to ignore the the male side of the of the market too. But is that the market that's been underserved? Well, there were ninety two thousand people watching <laughs> a volleyball game at the University of Nebraska this past week. Ninety two thousand, an all time record for uh, a women's sporting event. And that, that's indicative to me. I look at what the, the national women's, the U.S. or whatever, I'm getting the title wrong here. The U.S., um, the, the, the soccer teams, the soccer league in, in, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. In North America, yeah. uh, North American, whatever. USWL is it? I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Yes. NWSL? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. NWSL. Right. So if you look at what they've done attendance wise, the attendance is up dramatically. They're getting big crowds. You look at the women's soccer in, in Europe, in England. So if Chelsea, the women play Arsenal, you're getting big crowds there. So I think there's a real appetite for it. I think people never had an opportunity to watch it. Now they've got a chance to watch it in good venues with publicized times and locations. I think the market's very, there's a great appetite for it. It's great hockey to watch. They're fantastic. 
With that said, uh, is it fair to suggest that the main source of revenue for the league is going to be ticket sales, or is there big television money on the horizon or the hope for it? Well, initially, I'd say that's long-term. That's everyone's hope when you start a league. So you hope the big, fat TV contract comes in, but that might take a while. We'll see. Initially, yeah, we're going to have to earn this money the old-fashioned way to get people to buy tickets. But there's some sponsorship money in there. The league's helping out. There's, uh, there's you know, the We've got some rabid sponsors, so there's a, there's a, a variety of sources here that can fund this. But, yeah, ticket, ticket sales will still be of vital importance. Brian, can we ask you a few questions about your time with the Canucks? Sure. Um, so the Canucks currently don't have a captain. Um, they're trying to figure out their leadership group uh, coming into this season. There's a few candidates, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, J.T. Miller, Um you were with the Canucks when they transitioned from Mark Messier as captain to Marcus Nasland. Um, do you have any specific memories about the decision to name Marcus Nasland captain and what went into that, why you made the decision, whether or not it was obvious or you had to talk yourself into it? What are your memories of that? Well, you know those Capital One ads where Aaron Rodgers says this is the easiest decision in the history of decisions? <laughs> like, do you want... Uh, Derek Jeter to be the pinch hitter or Derek Schwartz, the kid on the bench. Um, to me, this was a real easy one. Mark Crawford was the coach, and he's going to have a lot to say on who the next captain's going to be. And Mark Messier, you know, make no, you know, make no doubt about this. Have no doubts in your mind about this. As unpopular as Mark Messier's era was, with Keenan and all the rest, Pat Quinn getting fired, Trevor getting traded, it was like a nightmare. But Mark Messier worked hard for our team. He did a good job. And he was a good captain. And I have nothing but fond memories of Mark, even though I'm sure the marketplace has a different view. Yeah. That being said, you have a big void. You, you know, take Mark Messi out of your room, whether you think he's the greatest captain ever or not. He's a pretty special player and is a pretty special captain. Now you take him out of the room, who goes in there? And you'd think there was a great debate, but it was like I felt the same way, Crow felt the same way, Dave Nolan felt the same way, automatic. It's got to be Marcus. And so it was like the shortest discussion ever was, is he the guy? And, you know, the only question mark was, was he was kind of quiet. We needed him to be a little more vocal, but he adapted to that right away. What is the most important thing that a captain does? I think it's, I think that's really easy. Uh, it leads by example. The, the thing, all the great captains in history are guys that played hard, and forced other players to match their intensity level. And they forced that. They, they, their force of presence uh, on the ice and off the ice forced their, their teammates to comply. I watched Ray Bork, who was a great captain in Boston. He was the hardest worker, first guy out for practice. I watched Sidney Crosby the last couple of years in Pittsburgh. And he's the first guy on the ice, last guy off the ice. They forced their teammates to, to keep pace. And it's a wonderful thing to watch. Is it almost like just a? Is it almost like a guilt thing? Like they show up and they're like, "Oh my God, Sid, he's the best player in the world. He's and he's he's on the ice first, and he's practicing. I'm going to look like an idiot if I if I'm not doing the same things as he's doing." Yeah, you just have to look at a player who's underperforming. You just have to look at him during the drills. I, I could even do it from up in the in the perch where we sit, where you'd see a guy loafing and he'd kind of shrug, and he'd see it. Be like, how, how can Sid just finish that drill with maximum effort and intensity 
and you, a young kid, just went through the motions. So, yeah, it's, it's partly guilt trip, partly example. And your young kids, they want to follow a guy like Sid. Uh, so Jason mentioned the Canucks are currently without a captain, and then I kind of noted that that's along with nine other NHL teams. Ten of the 32 don't have a captain as of right now going into the season. In your experience, is it important to have someone in place, or can you run into problems when you sort of foist the captaincy upon someone who's maybe not ready for it? I think the question, you got to ask it a little differently. It's, it is important if you've got the right guy. If you've got a, if you got the right guy, then get him in there. You're way better off with a strong captain than without. But I'm also with a number of those teams. They're saying I don't have the right guy. Then wait, because these millennials they're fine without a without a strong captain initially. They're fine waiting and watching the group. How much has hockey changed since you were uh, with the Vancouver Canucks? Well, the goalies have masks now, and uh, <laughs> no. um, it's a good change they made there. It's a good change. It's changed. It's, the game is so much faster. These players, everyone likes to bemoan the millennials, but I tell you, they're special. They're still special players. They're maybe not as tough as we'd like them to be as they were in the old days, but they're still pretty tough, and they're great kids. They just ask a lot more questions. Yeah. The game's changed much faster. I don't think it's as physical as it used to be, and I, I lament that. But I, I was really encouraged the way the second half of the season and the playoffs, the way the physicality picked up. What's with all the questions that millennials ask? We've we've got we've we've got a producer who's a millennial. A lot of questions. What's going on with that? Yeah. Well, the Canadian military is going through that same adjustment. You know, back in the day, you used to say, "Take that hill," and everyone would turn and charge up the hill. Well, now they're like, "Wait a sec, which hill? How many <laughs> men are we going to employ? What's the objective?" So I don't think it's a bad thing. They need to explain things. You need to explain things better and more. I don't view that as a bad thing. They're probably smarter than we were. Probably, they're yeah. At least smart enough to ask questions, right? And we just we just follow blindly. Like in the First World War, when they were like over the top, and millennials would yeah. be like, uh, "Why? That seems like a terrible idea." Yeah, let's talk about this. <laughs> We're speaking to Brian Burke here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Brian, it's been a few months since your tenure in Pittsburgh came to a close. Um, what was it like working in that particular market? I know that you were excited going into it, and you kind of said, like, this is outside of an original six franchise. There is a lot of history there and a lot of great players that have come through, and we've been to Pittsburgh on a number of occasions and understand how important the Penguins are to that market. What was it like working in Pittsburgh? It was great. It was a great captain, great leadership group, great fans, great building, great practice rink. I loved it. I would have liked to stay there a, a real long time. But I also think ownership always has the right to make the change if they want to, and that's their privilege, and that's what they decided to do. And I'm not, you know, I'm not one for sitting around and wringing my hands. I'm really excited about my new, my new job, and I view it as, okay, that's kind of how things happen. Things happen for a reason. I wouldn't have had this chance to work with the women I hadn't got cast in uh, in Pittsburgh, so I, I I wish them well. I I enjoyed my two and a half years here very much. It's a great city, and um, I wish them well. You mentioned the practice facility that the Penguins have. That's the one in Cranberry, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Canucks don't have a practice facility. How important is that for a team to have a dedicated practice facility? Because the Canucks are one of I think just maybe Calgary doesn't have one either. And that's about it. 
Well, I think it's a function of uh, availability of the big rink. If, you, if the big rink's available, if it's not, a, if it's what they call a dark building. So if you're in a building like Madison Square Garden is busy all the time, but there are other buildings that have low concert traffic and low alternative day traffic. They're called dark buildings. So if you've got a slow building or a dark building, and you can practice. Like when we were with the Canucks, we practiced at, uh, at GM Place almost every day. We went to, uh, when I first got there, we went to eight rinks. And after that, we'd go to one of the community rinks or whatever, but it was a, it was a minimal intrusion. It wasn't very difficult. Same thing in Calgary. Calgary, we skated at the Saddle Dome almost every day. Mm-hmm. So whether you need a practice trick or not is a function of how busy your building is. If your building's not that busy, you don't need a practice trick. Hey, Brian, this was great. Thanks for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. Uh, congrats on the gig, and best of luck moving forward with the league as it continues to move forward at a breakneck pace. Great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. That's Brian Burke, the executive director of the Professional Women's Hockey League's Players Union, former Vancouver Canucks GM, as well here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. When he talks about it, it was so obvious to make Marcus Naslin the captain. That's kind of what I wish the Canucks had right now. An easy, a layup of a choice? Just an easy question. And, and, and I wonder if it's, <clears throat> some people out there might think it's obvious, right? Let me make this guy, uh, you know, some people will say it's obvious JT Miller should be the captain. It's obvious Quinn should be the captain. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's particularly obvious for anyone. So if it's not obvious, maybe the best way to do it is to go through this season and then determine it. Yeah. Like you've got the full season with Talkit to, you've challenged the leadership group already, mm-hmm. right? You've said, all right, Petey, Hughes, JT, whoever, whoever else you want to bring in there, you've challenged that leadership group. It might be nice to just see how it evolves, how they do at those leadership jobs, right? You give them all an A, mm-hmm. and then I'm not going to say it's a campaign, but maybe a campaign. See who wants it. See who steps up in those situations and does lead by example, like Berkey said, who does drag others into the fight, who does set the standard where the players that are new to the team or the younger players are like, this guy's doing this, so I'd better do this. And that's what the Sedins had, right? Everyone said, you know, these guys are not the guys that yell and you know make the rousing speeches but because they worked so hard because they were always in the gym mm-hmm. everyone else was like well i'm gonna be like a kind of like a pretty lazy guy if i'm not doing the same things that they are i think i think it's interesting that when he first came aboard as canucks head coach talk it spoke pretty candidly and pretty openly about the future of the captaincy of the team now not specifically you know, the, the stitching of the C onto the jersey, but made it pretty clear that right away Petey and Quinn Hughes were going to wear A's and that they were going to be leaned upon as leaders and they were going to have leadership into a certain degree foisted upon them. Like, we're going to give them this right away. In subsequent interviews and subsequent media availabilities, I do notice that Talkit isn't as... I guess vocal, maybe not as candid. He's kind of keeping his cards a little bit tighter to the vest. And I do wonder if it has to do with the fact that maybe there's been a, a second thought or a pause about doing a captain this season. Yeah. Because what you just explained makes sense. 
in a rare moment of lucidity and clarity. Mm. It makes sense. And the Canucks love to kick the can down the road. There's right? that too. Like, yeah, we can do it later. As an organizational philosophy, putting it off till tomorrow is always a good one. <laughs> uh, Dara O'Brien, an Irish comedian, is going to join us next. Um, he's going to be here in Vancouver um, Saturday, September 16th and 17th. Very funny guy. Knows his sports too. Also very smart. So he'll fit in with this super smart group. Mm-hmm. He'll join us next on the Halford and Bro Show on Sportsnet 650.